Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Uh, my name is Todd Hall. I'm the pastor of Exchange. It's my joy and privilege, again, to uh, lead a wonderful body of people, group of people, the family of God, as we uh, take the good news of Jesus Christ into Shepparton, Greater Shepparton, the Goulburn Valley and the world beyond. So so glad you could gather with us this morning as we uh, come to another important part of our worship. As we worship together today, we worship God also by opening up his word and allowing his truth to speak into our hearts and our lives and to penetrate us for our good to transform us into the image of Christ. So we get that privilege now as we understand God works through his uh, written word, revealed word, the Bible, and uh, that brings about this transformation in our lives. Uh, We have been going through the book of Galatians, a book of the New Testament written a little over, a little little over 2,000 years ago. And uh, we've been getting great stuff out of that as we see what God has done for us in Christ and uh, the glorious salvation he's called us to. Moving in towards chapter 3 today, uh, just before we get there though, I'm sure you've heard this statement before. Oh, those people over there, they're a people of faith. They're a people of faith. Often they'll do that when they're talking about a religious group. Or you might use this as a phrase sometimes for some uh, people. And you've actually got a lot of faith in that person. You're putting a lot of faith in that person. Or in Christian circles, we may say to someone this question, how's your faith going at the moment? How is your faith going at the present moment? Well, in this passage today, Paul's going to talk a lot about faith that we're going to look at. So we want to unpack that today with a couple of questions, thinking about what is faith and how do I grow this faith that God has given to me? So Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 3. You may have it on your device, electronic or hard copy. If not, we will put up on the screen for you as well. And we're going to read the first 14 verses of chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Father, we thank you that we can gather together this morning. Thank you, God, for the work that you have done in revealing Christ to our hearts and our lives, taking us from death to life, taking us from not being able to see truly who Jesus is to now seeing who he is and believing through who he is by faith. We ask, Holy Spirit, as we think about this passage today, you would open our eyes up to this glorious work of faith that you have worked in us and that we receive this gift of salvation through. We ask for your help now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Paul is circling around here with this same issue in the book of Galatians. How do we get right with God? Uh, Law and works or faith? It's law and works or it's faith. Uh, Last week we saw that humanity's biggest problem in life is our need to be in a right relationship with our creator. That is our biggest problem. It's not your bank balance. It's not your car issues. It's not how many holidays you've got left on your, on your leave payments or whatever. That's, they're issues potentially. But our biggest issue in life is being right with our creator. That is the number one issue. We saw that last week. Uh, the Galatians, they started on the right pathway with God. Paul came to them on his first missionary journey, preached the gospel, and outlaid to them, this is how we made right with God. But now the Galatians are leaving that pathway because of false teachers and false teaching that has crept into that church. Men have crept in and they've proclaimed another gospel, which Paul says there is no other gospel other than Christ crucified. This false or no gospel that these other false teachers were teaching was, it's Jesus plus good works equals salvation. Paul emphatically says, no deal, no way. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Paul wants to continue to press into this point then about our justification or our right standing before the Lord is through faith or belief alone in the finished work of Christ at the cross. Nothing more, nothing less than what Jesus has done for us. So as he, as he presses into that, here's where we're going to end today. Jesus, our righteousness, has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that now we live by faith in him. In Christ, that is. Jesus, our righteousness, has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that now we live by faith in him. What we'll do today is we'll work through this passage here, this text, explaining what's taking place here. And that will pick out some really important points that actually link very um, clearly to faith. And then we're going to finish by asking two questions. Two questions of this. Uh, what is faith? And then how do I grow uh, faith as well? Okay, let's jump in and now think about what the passage is saying to us here. Uh, Really important to understand what's happening and then we can actually then apply that. In chapter 3, it feels like Paul's gone back to the craziness of what the Galatians have slipped back into. Verse 1, he says there, you foolish Galatians. I'm glad he knows them very well. You may not get a good good reception if you said that to some people, but he says, you foolish Galatians. When I came to you, Jesus Christ and his crucifixion was openly and publicly announced. All could see what God had done for us in Christ to make us right. I made it publicly clear. We didn't hold back in talking about the work of Jesus through our salvation. Clear as. 
Now Paul, Paul goes on to make this point again by asking them these rhetorical questions to expose their foolish thinking. You'll see there's a number of questions in the next couple of verses. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing by faith? They're meant to actually answer that in their minds. How did we receive that? Are you so foolish, having been brought to faith by the Holy Spirit, that now you'll go the rest of the way in your own strength and good works? They're meant to answer that question in their mind. Or verse 4, did you suffer so many things from the Jews for believing in Jesus? And was that all for nothing? Because when they actually believed in the gospel, that put them at odds with the Jewish community. So he said, did you suffer all that for nothing? And verse 5, he says again, does he who supplies the spirit and works miracles amongst you do so by works of the law, by doing good things and earning something from God, or by hearing with faith? They're meant to answer these questions in their own mind. He's trying to expose their thinking. And if they answer those questions based on what they experienced through Paul's preaching, initially, who knows how many years beforehand, they'll reach the conclusion that everything they've received from God all those things that Paul was talking about, those rhetorical questions, everything they've received from God has come through faith. Faith in what Jesus has done for them. And completed for them, faith in what God has promised. Through faith, Paul's highlighting here for the Galatians once again. What Paul does next as he's moving through this here is he wants to anchor what he's just said in Scripture. It's not just Paul's idea or Paul's thoughts This is actually God's way. This is what God has committed. This is what God has ordained. This is the pathway that God has made, not by law or works, but it's through faith. And what Paul does here to anchor them in this scripture of God's word, not Paul's idea, he uses Abraham, the father of Israel, to show them that faith is always God's pathway to receiving our right standing before him. Bit of history first, as we read a little before there of Abraham for Esther did for us. Abraham was called by God back in Genesis 11-ish there and said to leave his kindred, to leave his family and to go to another country. And God gave this promise to Abraham at this time, I'm going to make you the father of a mighty nation. A myriad of people will come from you, a large nation. Now get this, Abraham is well into his 90s and Sarah, his wife, is well into her 80s. And they have no children at this time. Sarah is barren. In the natural, it's not possible. And I'm sure anybody, particularly a woman, in her 80s, is thinking, no, no, it's just not going to happen when you're in your 80s. You're not going to have children. Anyway, that's the promise given to them. We move on a little bit. Abraham's nephew Lot has been kidnapped by a bunch of rogue kings. Abraham goes and rescues Lot and his family, brings them back. And then we get to this point here again where God again appears to Abraham, which is the passage we read before there. And he asks Abraham here, he says, Abraham, step outside of the tent. Abraham steps outside of the tent. He says, God says, look up into the night sky. See all those stars up there, Abraham? Your descendants will be more than the number of those stars. But where's Abraham and Sarah? He's in his late 90s, she's in her late 80s. It's not looking natural. It's going to happen at all. So from this impossible position, Abraham's response is found in Genesis 15.6 and he says this. And he believed, that is, he, Abraham, believed the Lord... And it says there, and he counted it to him as righteousness. That is, God counted it to him as righteousness. 
despite all the impossibilities of having children at that age, Abraham, I believe what you said, God. I believe it. And then God makes this statement here, the second half of that verse. He says, and he that is God declared it to him, that is Abraham, as righteousness or justified, declared right. God declares Abraham right before him through Abraham's faith in God's promises, in God's word then. Now that scripture, just that tiny little verse there in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6, it's probably one of the key scriptures of the Bible. God makes a very clear statement there about what it is to be right before him, believing in what God says. Trusting, believing, and putting our faith in what God says. Now, just a little aside here with this. Don't ever think the Old Testament is irrelevant. We can so easily say, I just don't understand what's happening in Leviticus. I can't work any of this stuff out. Now. I'm just not going to bother. I'm just going to stick my head in the New Testament. I'm only going to stay there. Don't ever do that. All of scripture from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation 22 is one story. And you'll never fully grasp the New Testament unless you understand what's happening in the Old Testament. So here's a classic example. Paul goes back and he says, here's what God did through Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. So unless you know that, you won't fully get what he's talking about now in Galatians. So never ever think, ah, that's Old Testament. I'll just, don't worry about that. All of the Bible's there for us, and we can learn all about God and his salvation plans from us through that. Moving on from this, verses 7 to 9, Paul now says, knowing it's about faith then, knowing it's about faith, then who the true sons of Abraham are, we see also that God justifies or declares right the Gentiles or non-Jews by faith also. He's done this through Abraham, but now it's also through the Gentiles. They enter into God's promises the same way, through faith. Why, again? Because all the nations, not just Jews alone, will be blessed through Abraham's promise from God through faith. If you go back to the Old Testament again, you'll see it again, that his blessing will be to all the nations, not just the Jewish nation, all the nations. Verse 10 to 14, uh, Paul goes on to say, For all who rely on works, thinking that good, doing good works will make them right, are under a curse. Uh, we saw that really vividly last week. It's impossible to make ourselves right uh, before God by doing good works. In fact, there's a curse. The curse of the law is that when we fail to live up to God's way, that the way he's created us, we now that we're the penalty of that law, God's judgment. That is the curse. That is the penalty of not fulfilling uh, God's law before him. But the gospel says... Jesus has redeemed us from that curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Who knows that Christmas carol, far as the curse is found? That's what the Christmas carol is talking about. He breaks that curse. Jesus took our sin upon himself at the cross by becoming our substitute in our place. Let's read 13 to 14 to just see here the way Paul just brings the good news of Jesus out again. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. That's a um, quotation from Deuteronomy. Again, uh, verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. 
there's the good news. Jesus has taken the curse on our behalf. We don't fall under the curse now. Jesus has taken it for us. Can you see the flow of thought here then from Paul as he's actually explaining this to the Galatians? Jesus has done what we could never do. Live that perfect life that God expects of us. We've failed. We've earned God's judgment or curse for our sins upon ourselves. God makes a way possible for us to be saved. What is that way? It's his only son. He comes and he makes himself a sin offering. He becomes that curse for us to redeem us, the words that Paul used before, to redeem us or buy us back from the curse of the law. He's made that payment on our behalf. Jesus is the promised blessing through Abraham to all the nations of the earth. That is the promised blessing to all nations. Abraham's chosen to be that father of the nation. That nation will produce the Messiah. That Messiah will be Jesus Christ and he will be the saviour of the world. How do we receive what God has done for us in Christ then as we think about Paul's thought flow here as he's uh, taking this to the Galatians? Well, we receive it the same way in how Abraham responded to God. Through faith. We believe. We believe what God has said. We believe what God has done and what God will do. We do it the same way Abraham did. We receive it by faith. It's it's where Paul's really majoring here in this passage. Actually, you'll find 10 times in 14 verses he he uses the word faith. It's key here what he's trying to communicate and get these Galatians back onto thinking and understanding this is how we receive it. Now, I want us to think about that as we've seen there how Paul's outlined again that these promises of God are received through faith. I I want to ask now two questions as we think about faith. Uh, first question is this, what does faith mean? What does faith mean? Paul's talked lots about it and we hear the statement, you're a people of faith, and they question, do you have a faith? And, and in Christian circles, how's your faith going? You know, particularly here in verse 11, uh, Paul says there, the righteous shall live by faith. What does faith mean then in the context here when Paul begins to use this word and he uses it so frequently in this passage? Well, there's four things here that are attached to faith or uh, like parts of making up what the word faith is. First one's this. It's knowing. Faith means I know something. In other words, I have an, an understanding of something. I, I know something. I've got some facts here. In the Galatians case, Paul has explained to them God's message of salvation through Jesus Christ. So what have the Galatians received? They've received these facts. They've received this knowledge. They know something. They can give a mental assent. They can give a mental understanding to this. I know that. Paul, you've just outlined who Jesus is and what he's done. I know that. That's one aspect of faith. Here's the second one. It's one thing to know something, but will they believe it? You can know it, but will they believe it? You've given me all the facts about Jesus Christ, but will I believe those facts or will I just walk on by and toss them away? Will I believe it? Knowledge and then belief. Faith not only means uh, do I know something, but will I believe it as well? Third thing, trust. The third element of faith here is do I trust what I know and believe? I might know it and I might believe it, 
But it's another level again to actually think, well, am I going to trust this? Am I going to actually put my confidence in this? Am I going to entrust myself to what I know and believe? Fourth thing here is we think about faith as this. Not only do I trust what I believe, but will I now act obediently according to that belief? Will I actually now obey that and actually live it out in my life? Not just know it as facts and believe it and then trust myself, but will I be obedient to what I've heard and actually now my life is shaped accordingly to that? Here's an example that might help picture that for us. Just imagine you're trekking through the mountains. Uh, You've got a guide there and you reach this raging river that is in monumental flood. It is boiling. But the guy says, hey, it's okay. I know there's a swinging bridge that actually traverses over this boiling, raging river. And at the same time as you approach this swinging bridge, there's this thick mist that has covered the river and the bridge. And you can't see much more than a couple of metres ahead of you in that um, context. Well, how am I going to approach that scene? Well, yes, I know about the bridge from the guide. I know that he's, he's told me all about this bridge. And there's a sense I believe that the bridge will get me safely over this raging, flooding river up before me. I get that. But there's still another thing that faith needs to do. I now need to entrust myself to what the God has said and obey his command to step onto the bridge, only seeing a barely a couple of metres in front of me and hearing this roaring river below me. I've now got to be obedient to that and then step onto that bridge and then go across. It's not just, well, I could sit back on the shore and say, yeah, there's a bridge. I know it. I believe it. Yeah, I reckon it would carry me. But I'm not going to get on it. No, no, we've got to then be obedient, take that next step to live out what we know and believe and trust. We've got to step onto that and to show that confidence. Hey, I do. This raging river then is like this small picture here of what God is calling us to do in faith. Know what God has said. And we can know that through his word. Believe what God has said. Believe it. Now entrust myself in obedience that God will be faithful to carry out what he said and to then have my life reflect that faith. This is what I believe. This is what I know. I now entrust myself to it. Ultimately it's this. It's knowing who Jesus is. It's believing what Jesus has done on my behalf. And it's now entrusting myself in obedience to God's promises about Jesus and living in accordance with that. That is how faith works. That is how faith looks. Now let me assure you of this. Often people will say, perhaps, as they look into a church or a spiritual context, you know, you guys, you've sort of got this blind faith. It's a bit like a leap into the unknown. That's not true. That's not true when it comes to Christianity. Biblical Christianity is not a blind leap of faith into something you do not know. Not at all. It's faith or it's trust in a God who has revealed himself to us. Through his word, it's faith and trust in a God who has revealed himself to us through his son. It's not a blind leap of faith whatsoever. It's in the, it's in the, uh, the God that we can know. It, the gospel faith isn't some imaginary tooth fairy that if I just put a tooth in the cup overnight I get a dollar coin the next day, that all, everything's just going to work out good. That's not gospel faith. Not in the imaginary tooth fairy. 
It's in the sovereign creator who holds all power and authority and it's in that same sovereign creator who's graciously given us his son to rescue and save us. It's in something we really, really do know. Faith. There's much more we can say about that. We're going to explore that a little bit later in the book as well. Second question. How do I grow my faith? How do I see this belief in what I know, what I believe, what I trust, what I obey? How do I actually do that? And probably a better question is, how does God grow it together with me? Because that's what actually happens. God actually grows that faith together with us. It's an important question to think about, a really important question, because we live in a broken world where our faith in God is constantly challenged, constantly under attack. We live in a world here where we have a worldview and culture around us that is godless in many respects. We have a secular education system. We have a secular government and a secular media that is rapidly falling away from a God-centered perspective on this world on multiple fronts. Multiple fronts is that happening. And you combine that context we'll be living in this world with our own indwelling brokenness, with the broken culture around me, and what you have is a constant chipping away at our faith, what we believe, what we know. It's constantly challenging us. It's constantly pressing against us. A couple of examples. Has anybody heard of the, uh, that Wear It Purple Day? Anybody heard of that? Maybe some have, some haven't. There's a Wear It Purple Day, particularly in corporate um, Australia, and that is a day where you need to celebrate the young people of the LGBTQI community. So everybody, in that sense, in that business, is required to wear purple as a day of celebrating uh, young gay pride. That's a challenge. It's a real challenge because the, everybody in the office is expected to end up wearing something purple. I know over the last couple of years our girls have been playing netball and they had to go to a netball round where they had to wear a pride bib on the back of their jersey. But that was a pride round for the local football netball competition. That's a challenge for our faith. We've all heard of the Manly Seven last year who refused to wear those pride jerseys for the gay pride round in the rugby. It was a challenge to their faith and they made a stand at that particular time. And the challenge is, my gospel convictions and faith in Jesus is challenged about that. I love the person, fully respect the person and want to embrace them and try and help them to know about Christ, but I can't celebrate their lifestyle. I can love and celebrate the person, but not the lifestyle that they are embracing. These are the sort of things that keep chipping away and challenging our faith. What do I believe? Not only that, we might hear different types of teaching as well sometimes. And you'll think, I'm just not sure that's right. It's challenging what I'm believing. There's a whole range of things that actually keep working in our life that are chipping away at our faith. Well, Paul answers that here from this question, uh, in this chapter, how we can grow our faith. He says here, we're given the Holy Spirit and his word to grow our faith. What does God do for us for that conversion? To enable us to believe in him. God's spirit comes, the Holy Spirit comes upon us to open our eyes to see who Christ is. To open our mind to understand who Jesus is. Look what Paul says here in verse 2 of Galatians 3. He says this, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith. So when you come to Christ, Galatians, for the very first time, did you receive God's spirit 
by doing lots of good things and obeying the law and then God gave you his Holy Spirit? Or did it come by hearing with faith? Paul's answer is, of course it came by hearing with faith. You heard the gospel. But what was taking place in that sort of uh, precise moment? The Holy Spirit comes upon us to soften our unbelief and to enable us to believe, to soften our hard hearts and give us a tender heart towards him. You ask anybody who's been through a conversion process, at one point they say, I had no time for Jesus. I sort of knew about him, but just took it no more than that. But then God does his work and it's like, I want him. I love him. I want to embrace all about who he is. God gives us this gift of faith through his spirit coming upon us. Not by works of the law, but by hearing through faith. And what does the Holy Spirit do? It dwells within us. That's the miracle of the new birth. God lives within me. God lives within every one of you who are born again. That is an amazing miracle to think about. That wherever you and I go, God's spirit is with me. So when my faith is attacked, whether it's the Manly Seven or wear a purple or gay pride jerseys on the back of our netball um, uniforms, God's spirit comes and comforts us and bolsters our faith and our belief in who Jesus is. That's how our faith is grown, by God working within us via his spirit to grow that faith. Here's another way our faith grows. Uh, The presence of the Holy Spirit grows within us as we go deeper into the revealed truth of who God is. Look in verse 5. It's another one of these questions again, but Paul's telling us something here. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles amongst you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So God supplies his Spirit to us, grows his Spirit within us. How? As we hear with faith. As you hear with faith, the Holy Spirit will grow in you. As you hear the word of Christ within you, God's Spirit grows within you as you fill your heart and your mind up with that. Well, you could say, what are the the Galatians hearing? Because Paul says, by hearing with faith. What do the Galatians hear? The Galatians heard the gospel. The Galatians heard God's word. The Galatians heard precisely what God wanted to tell them. As we hear and as we trust in God's word, the Holy Spirit grows within us. As we feed ourselves on the Bible, the presence and the awareness of the Holy Spirit will grow our faith, grow our belief and grow our trust in Christ. Do you want to grow your faith? We come into God's word and that actually renews and transforms our mind and God's spirit takes that and grows the presence of God within our heart and our mind, deepens our convictions, deepens what we believe. This is what we're doing right now. We're hearing God's word. We're stopping to listen and understand what God is saying to us. These are not my words. These are God's words. This is what God tells us. And at the same time, this is happening. The Holy Spirit is pressing that truth upon us with conviction. It's being impressed upon us. We hear this confirmation. We hear like this voice in our hearts or this voice in our minds. And it's the Spirit saying, that's right. That's true. That's right. That's true. 
and this conviction grows. And it's like, that's good for me. It's God's spirit actually taking that truth, which is God's word, and impressing that upon me with that conviction. And when that's happening, when that's happening, my faith and my trust in Jesus are growing. I might get challenged from the outside, but I come back and I receive this truth here. The spirit takes that, builds it into my life, and I can meet that challenge because my faith is growing. My belief, my trust is growing. This is what Paul is doing with the Galatians right here, right now, as they're hearing this letter for the very first time. Their faith and their trust in Christ is growing as they hear God's word and the Holy Spirit applies that with conviction to them. It's growing that. Here's a scripture from 1 John that talks about how faith overcoming these challenges. It says this, For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. The faith that God has given to us. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes? Same base word as faith. Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's where God strengthens us to overcome the challenge of this world, to see our faith grow. Their faith's under attack. Your faith might be under attack. We come today and we sit here and we gather this morning and we hear what God says. We're encouraged by that. We're built up by that. It strengthens us on the inside so we might hear it wear a purple day. We might hear we've got to wear a um, pride jersey on the back of everything and we're going to say, look, we love the purple, but we're not going to wear that because we're strengthened here by God's word. You might often wonder, why do we encourage Bible reading so regularly here at Exchange Church? Well, again, that's to grow our faith. Not to earn anything from God, but it's there to grow our faith in him. The more we read and feed upon the Bible, the more God's spirit takes that and grows his presence within us. Our minds are transformed. What does faith do? Faith enables us to receive God's gift of salvation. And God grows our faith in him through the Holy Spirit, working with his word to strengthen and mature us in this fallen world. This is what God purposes for us to know and understand here, particularly about this truth of the justification by faith alone in Christ alone, to grow our faith in him. And that faith in Christ will enable us to overcome this world and enjoy his presence forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today as we come and open up your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in this word. Sometimes it seems that preaching may be a foolish thing. One person up the front in a monologue People trying to sit and listen. People trying to not be distracted by things that are happening around about us. God, we know and we believe that you work through your word by your spirit. Lord, there are people perhaps here today that have heard your word and know your word but don't believe it. 
God, I pray, would you do that work in their hearts now? Holy Spirit, would you open up their eyes? Would you let that truth find a home in their heart? And would you let them experience the new birth, Lord? Experience what it is to know, to believe, to trust and obey. And experience the joy of salvation. To experience the joy of your presence living within us. God, today we trust in what you've said. And we know you are faithful to complete what you've said. Because nobody and nothing can stop you, Lord. So we pray, Lord, please, do your work today. Grow us in faith. Unite us together and unite us to Christ, I pray, as we do that. Father, we thank you for that word today and pray. Bless her to our hearts. In Jesus' name. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us. 